everybody, and Hello. welcome back to the Macaw Podcast Universe. It is me, Micah Macaw. And me, Jordan Macaw. And we are married people. And yeah. we have this podcast. It's every week, and we go take a franchise, and we go through the entire franchise. And today... We are we are on the cusp of the last until maybe we when we have whenever we cover the Hobbit. This will be the last time that we do like a two parter movie, I believe, yeah. because we have the Harry Potter, which is how this whole thing got started. Which we had both kind of said like I had a couple of issues with the two parter, but I think it was like I did not let the record show. Yeah, and at the very least, I'm like, the great experiment is how I feel about it, where I'm like, they tried it, and that made a lot of sense. Cool. Okay. I I still think the second movie suffers from the from that, but anyway, <clears throat> then we got to Twilight Breaking Dawn, and it was... A train wreck the whole time, so it's not even... Yeah, but even still, you know, it just like... That, even that one, you could kind of see why they broke it up into two in some ways. Be- but but it's still... Because is two just, big things happen. Yeah. That's it. But it really felt like they could easily condense it. And then here we are. We're in The Hunger Games, a series that Jordan and I have both been enjoying quite a bit. Yeah. And I will kind of spoil it right off the top. Then we have this turd of a movie that totally ruins, like everything in the series Let to me the so record far. show that i i've not seen the last movie so i don't know what happens I haven't but having seen first part this did not need to be split up Mm-mm. at all that being said let the record also show i didn't hate it i thought it was still good but like base level good yeah it held my it, it just enough held my attention the whole time uh yeah and I, and the funny thing is, is when we're watching a movie movie together, um, when I am disliking a movie, I have a really hard time not expressing it during the movie. Like once I, you know, you reach that moment of no return, yeah. I have a really hard time not expressing that moment during the during the movie. Micah is a really good job at not ruining the movie for another person <laughs> and letting and, and remaining silent until the movie is over credits rolling. And he's like, boo. So what, uh, do you remember what I did when this movie ended? Cause you, I hadn't really given into anything. I don't remember the words you said. Yeah. But it was that experience where yeah. I think I was like, Oh, well that sucked. Yeah. Something like that. And you were kind of like, I was like taking oh, it back a little bit. Okay. But we're going to, we are going to get into it, folks. Um, and for those of you who are just, you know, sometimes we announce the next series uh, in this, in the episode before the final episode, so you can get prepared. But it's the Patreon pick series. And as of this recording, we're f- we, we have no idea what the series is going to be yet. So, yep. <clears throat> but it's coming up fast, and that is going to be pretty cool yeah patreon.com slash micah mccaw get your extra episodes vote on stuff choose series subscribe for as little as three dollars seriously let's get to 15 subscribers by the end of this month please please can we do that please if you're sitting on the fence get off the fence and jump in so the hunger games mocking jay part one is directed by francis lawrence who Uh directed the previous movie Uh and will go on to direct the next movie 
uh, produced by Nina Jacobson and John Killick. Same. Screenplay, Danny Strong, who created that show Empire. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. About the record company, yeah. I believe, with um, Ter- Terrence Howard, right? I don't know who that The is. guy from Iron Man, um, who was then replaced by Don Cheadle. Oh, yeah, that guy. I'm seeing the girl in my mind. Oh, yeah. And I, I think Cuba, is. isn't uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. in that show? All I see is that girl. Yeah. Um, I, I really don't like the aesthetic of that show. Like, I've, I've heard that it's good, but it all the shots I've seen are like, ugh. Yeah. It's like a little too bombastic for me. Um, and then he also did the screenplay for Lee Daniels' The Butler, which that is one of those weird movies that has a title that is Lee Daniels' The Butler. Yeah. It's not just The Butler. Yeah. Which uh, the n- most notorious case of that is um, Precious, based on the novel Push by Sapphire. Have you seen The Butler? Uh-uh. Oh. Have you? No, I don't think anyone has. <laughs> I just, I love that someone adapted a book and they didn't call it Push. They called it Precious, based on the novel Push by Sapphire. That's the actual title of that movie. And that's why it's so funny when it's referenced in TV shows. <laughs> yeah. Like the office. It was it was great when they when that the Oscars were that year because I think it was nominated for like two or three Oscars. Yeah, I think so. And every time it's just like the 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 announcers having to say out that whole title. Um. Okay. Uh. Also on the screenplay we have Peter Craig who did The Town, Bloodfather, Twelve Strong, Bad Boys for Life, Top Gun, Maverick, which is supposed to come out this year, but we don't know. And then. We have something that I would love for us to riff on for a little bit. And if you don't know this, listeners, you are not going to believe me when I say this. He is working on the screenplay to a sequel to Ridley Scott's epic movie, Gladiator. He's working on the Gladiator 2 sequel. Folks, there is a Gladiator 2 movie in the works, and it's been in the works for several years. Does Ridley Scott truly just not care about anything he's ever done? What are you talking about? Well, he did Alien, right? Yeah. And he's let that just go out of control. Yeah, okay. Well, can I can I go off on this? Okay. Because I have a whole... I don't know much about Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott has some great movies. Gladiator being one, Alien being another. Uh, he's got a movie that I think is kind of under the radar, American Gangster, that's really good. But he Which also has... That? Wait. It has Denzel Washington in it, and it's good. I mean, I watched it when I was younger. I don't know if I've seen that movie. But it's a good movie. I gotta I think, look up. I think I Russell Crowe might be in it. <clears throat> but um, the thing about Ridley Scott is he can be a great director, but he he also has his like Ron Howard slash just bad movies. And so Alien, one of the great horror movies ever made, one of the scariest. I'd probably put it in my top five of horror. Yeah. Um, are you still tracking with me? Yep. Um. And so, basically, he had the Alien franchise, then James Cameron takes over and does Aliens, mm. then it becomes, like, a studio thing, mm-hmm. where it's, like, Aliens 3, Aliens 4, studio movies. Then there's, like, AVP and AVP 2, which, whenever we cover that franchise, it's going to be oh, very hard cover that? to figure out Are we gonna how we're going to do it like that? I think we got to. I mean, we have to watch all the terrible reboots? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. But but we're not there yet. We're not there yet. So that happens. And then remember, he's like Prometheus. Mm-hmm. 
and he comes out with Prometheus, which you say what you will about the movie. It's pretty interesting and kind of cool. That w- I, I saw Prometheus before I saw any Alien movie. Me, I, me I had, too. I had seen parts of Alien slash Aliens because I can never dif- differentiate until I we finally watched Alien and I finally seen it like six yeah. months ago probably. But yeah, I saw Prometheus. That was the first thing ever. So to me, it was just pure sci-fi. Sure. Yeah. Not, no attachment to anything else. And I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so he does that. Then he, do, he has all these other movies in it. And again, it's like he has sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're really okay. And sometimes they're bad. Like he did this movie with Russell Crowe and Leonardo DiCaprio called Body of Lies. Oh, he's that guy. And I was watching it with Micah Ratcliffe. We used to have like epic movie nights. So we'd go to each other's house and watch like an action movie or something. And we turned that movie on. And after like an hour and a half, we were like, we got to turn this off. This is like the worst movie is I've ever Jack seen. Is Jack Nicholson in that movie too? No. Oh, okay. Um, I remember though. It's a horrible, When you horrible saw that movie, movie, I think I always, for some reason in my mind, thought you were talking about The Departed. Oh, really? So then I like finally watched The Departed. And you're like, and this I was is like, really good. <laughs> yeah, this is an amazing movie. And I think I had to like talk to you about it. That's and, and, so and, funny. I don't remember that. Yeah. Very, com- very confused. Because I almost would have been like maybe because I, I know I bought The Departed for like five dollars when I was in college. Because yeah. I was just like, oh, it's Scorsese. It's got Leonardo DiCaprio. I think Micah said it was really bad. But like, why not? It's five dollars. Yeah. And then it was amazing. And I was like, what are you talking about with this movie? It was a whole thing. People, we figured it out. Well, I did have, uh, we're going off on another tangent. So now we're on the departed tangent. I bought that movie for like five bucks at Walmart. And then I went home and I saw like how like mature the content was, quote unquote, which when you're in the context of the movie, it works. It all works. Well, like all the F words. Yeah. And I was still at that. I wasn't at the point yet where I was like, yeah, I don't really care how many F words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't bother me. I was still it was this was like the year after high school, which yeah. to a lot of listeners who do not know me and did not go to Cascade Christian High School, you might be like, you were uncomfortable with the F word. <laughs> that District nine was that movie for me where I was like, this oh, movie yeah, is so good. But like, oh, my gosh, I say the F word so many times. I feel like I'm going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Let the record show people. If the movie's got the F word, whatever for me. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so I actually took the movie back and I didn't watch it. I had like a moral and Walmart took back a movie from the five dollar bin. Yeah, I hadn't opened it yet. And then like a year later, I think I just bought it and watched it. And I was like, I actually it was a little too hype for me. And I was like, that's a good movie. I'm not quite sure why people are like, this is a great movie. And then I watched it a second time and I was like, oh yeah, no, this is great. It just wasn't, I think I expected Goodfellas. I think for me watching that movie, living in Boston area. Oh yeah. So I buy this movie and I watch it. And not, not only that, it's like Leonardo DiCaprio could be in anything and I will watch it. Like that was at the point in my life too. But yeah, like seeing him on the T riding around, I was just like, this movie is amazing. I'm going to go find all these spots that we were at. <laughs> Even but though they yeah, probably I, didn't shoot the whole thing there. I, th- I think I really was subconsciously thinking Scorsese, this is just an updated Goodfellas. And it's so different from Goodfellas. Oh, yeah. And so uh, it was just like, you know, I, yeah. Anyway. Oh, but when we were watching that movie last night, I quoted the wrong movie. That lady is mm-hmm. not in Casino. She's in Goodfellas. Oh, okay. She's the one where Ray Liotta is uh, telling her, like, you have to make this call at this time, but do not make it from the house. 
Oh, when the helicopter's chasing him? It was the whole sequence. Oh, And she made the phone call from the house. Right. That's her. Yeah. Also, we we were watching uh, the HBO movie Bad Education last night. Yeah. And uh, stars Hugh Jackman, and it's excellent. And Janie. Oh, um... Um, Allison Janney. Allison Janney. Yeah, it's such a good movie. If you're wondering about it, Big full fledged, go ahead and watch it. Yes. Okay. So Ridley Scott does Prometheus, does some other movies, um, and then he comes out with Alien Covenant a few years ago, and the movie like kind of bombs. Do you it remember this? So bad. I hated that movie and so much. I want to kind of save. The, I mean, you can say what you want. I'm not going to necessarily say what I think about Alien Covenant on mic. Oh, be- and, and because t- we're gonna one day going to cover it? We'll cover it one well, day. Well, this is what I think from the one time I watched it. It was such a bad sci-fi that uh, it covered all the tropes mm-hmm. of a sci-fi team. Or just any team, really. You have the main girl. She's very, very... It's just typical, like, masculine to me. Mm-hmm. That's a trope. And I'm saying that's a trope. A lot of it's yeah, probably because okay. of Sigourney Weaver's character in Alien. More, who is not, not that way she's no, just no, no, cool no, but i think that there's a trope extended yeah, yeah. from that and then you have which which actor are you talking about though? she's the one from inherent vice fantastic beasts oh i don't agree I don't, with you on that oh okay but she's one of the worst haircuts i've ever seen in this movie that's and true then you have danny mcbride who is the resident funny man yeah and then I think you have another girl who... Who finds the planet that they find because he knows uh, John Denver's song, Take Me Home, Country Road. Yes. Yes. And <laughs> is it Idris Elba in this movie? He's in Prometheus. Oh, he's in Prometheus. Okay, but then you, I think you have another girl in this movie who fits more into the, like, girl, just the girl of the, the <laughs> group trope. There, I mean, we can sum it up as... I mean, you can keep going, but it's, it's just, like, it's just a bunch of stereotypes. It's all stereotypes. It, there's not really... So there, you have that part of it. Yeah. Uh, stereotypes of a movie that is based on something... That, that is, like, extends from something from the 80s that... Yeah. Basically, we have a lot of tropes because of the 80s. Yeah. Which I'm saying is they're not breaking new ground. So sure. Yeah, that's a good point. They're also, the story is just so bad because the best part of Prometheus, in my opinion, was Michael Fassbender. I don't remember his yeah. name. David. David was like the best part. And then the and he's only, the best part in Alien Covenant. No, for he sure. is. He's the only good part. And he's, a, he's an actual character. That's part of and it. And he's an actual character. But I would say it was like a third of the movie. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of it was them trying to find all these things. Yeah. And it was just like, why couldn't the movie like just have been him? See, and that's that's the problem with the movie is it it's trying to be like, okay, some people who saw Prometheus did it, it has that air of like some of the newer Star Wars movies where they're like trying to please people instead of just making a movie, you yeah. know? Um, because it, it was kind of like, okay, some people didn't really like how Prometheus didn't really connect too much to Alien, but it sort of did, but we left a lot of questions unanswered, so they're like, we're going to try and mash those two together, and it really feels like square peg, round hole kind of situation. Really? Or round peg, square hole? No, square peg. And um, the movie is like, like if, if they had just doubled down on the insane story of David getting to that planet and killing everything, all of the creators, mm-hmm. it would probably have been one of my favorite movies of that year. Mm-hmm. And maybe one of my favorite sci-fis. Because mm-hmm. that was such an interesting concept that's shown in like a two-minute flashback. And you're like, that could have been the whole movie. And then there's just an alien running around that's white. And yep. you're like, oh. Yep. But, oh, okay. So these are the tropes that you started in 1979. Or eight. Oh, okay. Yep. 
So then, <laughs> we will get to Hunger Games, people, I promise. I remember after Alien Covenant came out, and someone could check me on this, but I'm pretty sure a couple of months after it came out, the studio was like, that didn't do so well, but Ridley Scott was going around literally saying literally, I have five, I could make five more Alien movies because I have so many ideas on this. And the studio was like, this didn't make enough money. We're not going to fund five more of these. And so then maybe six months after the movie came out, all of a sudden one of his surefire mega hits has a sequel that people are talking about gladiator. And I think to me, it's him He's going paying him back. It's kind of like a one for them, one for me, but slash it's him being like, I need a hit. I haven't had a hit in a really long time, really since Prometheus. And that one was lukewarm for a lot of people. So it's like, uh, that's a little what bit I like think. A, oh man, maybe Tim Burton's not the right director. There's a, oh, was it Francis Ford Coppola? That was his thing for a lot of his career was like, he, he got to make Godfather. He got to make Apocalypse Now, all that stuff. But I think, cause he's made some other movies that are really random, like really yeah. random. And it might be in that book that I read where well, he, I think I, Scorsese pretty famously said he, he followed the one for them one for. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is because he was in, in debt a lot for, cause I think, a, for, yeah, the I, Coppola, I, think a, yeah. I think a lot of his movies would go over budget. Wait, who did say that? Because I don't think it was Scorsese either. I don't think it was either one of those. I think it's Francis Ford Coppola because of the book. Was it, was it Sidney Lumet? Is that possible? Who said was, that or who did that? Yeah, who was now, like one I, for them, one for I me. I think it's Francis Ford Coppola. Okay. That I think, makes more I think sense than Scorsese. In, I think he was in debt a lot. Oh, yeah. Throughout his career. And I think it's in that book that I read. Yeah. That I still need, need to read. read that. Okay. So that's our that's our rant. Um the thing about Alien, though, whenever we do cover that series, I am really excited about it because it's such a strange franchise. They will be great podcast episodes because yeah. there's so much to talk about. Yeah. Um, okay. Now, oh, by the way, that Gladiator 2 movie is supposed to take place 25 to 30 years after Gladiator. Oh, so convenient for Russell Crowe. Well, he won't be in it. Okay. I hope not. He died. Who knows? <laughs> they shouldn't even be making a sequel. Yeah. Oh, I forgot he died. <laughs> There, there is that rare thing, though, where I'm like, okay, I hear 25 to 30 years, and it's like, I could see this actually being okay. But it, it's also like, don't announce it as a sequel. That's yeah. just weird. Um, okay, music, James Newton Howard again, cinematography, Joe Willems again, and the production is Studio Babelsberg AG, and today they are Studio Babelsberg, and they remain operational mainly for feature film productions. Furthermore, it acts as co-producer on international high-budget projects. So many movies were shot there. So this is more of like a location that also produces. Um, I think, I don't remember. I didn't write it down. But I mean so many movies. Like all the last blockbusters have like stuff shot there for the most part. They must have really big warehouses. (laughs) Yeah, I I feel like it's in London is what I want to say. Yeah, okay. Um, Color Force is also... A production company we also have it's distributed by lionsgate and this movie comes out november 21st 2014 with a 125 million dollar budget makes 337 million 835,885 dollars domestically and internationally makes 755 million 356,711 dollars now would you like to jump into actors before i do the production notes Julianne Moore. And I think that she might be the only new addition to this series. 
I'll think. I th- think I about thought it. There was a couple others, but I could. Oh, totally I mean, be wrong. like the crew. The crew. Who's the crew that went out with Katniss to shoot her? Oh to, yeah, to, like, yeah. There's the girl the from Game of Thrones, Natalie Dormer. Game of Thrones and, and then, Penny Dreadful. Yeah, and then the guy from um, Daredevil. Daredevil, who plays Foggy. And then other people, I don't know. Yeah. Um, Julianne Moore, though, is uh, you guys probably have guessed what I'm about to say. She's been around the block. Um, she has been in the biz forever. She is a Paul Thomas Anderson regular. Mm-hmm. I would say she's in she's in yeah. Boogie Nights. She's in Magnolia. Um, Maybe not a regular. She's in two. Huh. I guess when he only has like ten movies, though, that's yeah. pretty regular. <laughs> she's in The Lost World, Jurassic Park. She's oh also, yeah. Oh, she's in The Big Lebowski. Oh, that's Coen Brothers. So she's in The Big Lebowski. She's in the Psycho remake. Did not know that. Um, and then the ladies man, she's in Hannibal. Oh, she plays Clarice in Hannibal. Uh, she's also in Hannibal, the movie or the show? The movie. The, okay. She's in the hours, laws of attraction, the forgotten. Let's see. Children of men. That's a, that's oh, like, yeah. she's so good in that movie. Yeah. She's Julianne also Moore, so good in everything that I've seen her in. I, um, never liked her and mm-hmm. it was mostly because my dad didn't like her so be- growing up as a kid it's yeah. like oh we don't like her um but i think it was children of men that turned me around well but i even remember when we watched magnolia last time i, th- I correct me if i'm wrong but i thought you i thought you said something like oh yeah this is like one of her good performances and i was like she's always good and then you watched the movie and you were like yeah thinking back on it she is always good. Well, I think when it's one I, of those things where I, it's like conditioned. You just adopted what I'm your dad thought. I'm conditioned to feel like she's not good yeah. just because she's annoying to my dad. Oh. But that doesn't, yeah, she's good. She's also an eagle eye. Oh, wow. Um, a single man. A single man. I don't know. Six souls. Crazy stupid love. I wonder if that movie's still good. She's in Don John, the Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie. Right. She's the mom and Carrie, the remake. Oh. Um, With Chloe Grace Moretz. And then she's in this movie called Still Alice, which I've never seen, but I've oh, always wanted good. to see. That looks really good. About a woman who has um, Broca's aphasia, I think. It's is one it? of them, which is, it's, oh, okay, tested when she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. From my understanding, though, she, this is based on like a real case of a, yeah. of a girl who experienced Broca's aphasia, or it could be the other one, I don't remember. It's either she can't, she literally can't write, it's all gibberish, or she can't speak, but she can write. It's a, it's a thing where a part of your brain is like severed. Mm-hmm. And those parts, that's the Broca's part of your brain. And those things get switched. Okay. Um, is, did she win an Oscar for that movie? She did not. I don't know if she won, but she definitely got nominated. Okay. It's now not loading. Oh, wait. I can look up the Oscar. 2014. Let's see. I'm doing it. She won for Best Actress. Win. Okay. Also Golden Globe. Um. Okay. She did. She had a lot of gold that night. She's in Seventh Son. And so much more. Yeah, those that's are just Julianne the highlights. More. That's about it. Does that? All, that's all you got then? Yeah, I think so. <sighs> so it's back to me. I gotta talk some more. Okay, so wow, can you believe she's sixty? Really? Wow. Wow. Good job. I do have to say, in this movie, uh, her hair really bothers me. But we'll get to that. Okay. I find it kind of fun, but I get it. That it's, it I, I just don't ever believe that when someone has super straight hair, that it's always perfectly framed around your face. Oh, see, you're, that's you're like she never touches it. I'm out of it. my depth on for, that. For not a second, she touches it, to which makes me think she's wearing a wig. 
Yeah. And it's it's on the flip side because in this movie, um, Woody Harrelson still has the wig, obviously, but he's wearing a hat. Finally, someone gave him a hat because maybe someone finally realized Woody Harrelson touches his hair too much as if he's he doesn't have hair. Finally, no, I, I they bet, gave him a hat. I bet you anything that's a thing in the book that they're like, he touches his hair so much. I bet you anything. I don't know. Well, it's not just he touches his hair so much when he has it. It's like in his face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, I okay, fine. If it's in the book, whatever. Don't don't at me people on that. But like, it's in his face so much. And like, dude, you can't see anything. <laughs> you can't see people when you're talking to them. You can't. You're not telling me that you're not brushing it behind your ear. Anyway, I'll get off the soapbox about it. Um, okay, so we got a lot of interesting facts on this movie. So this book, the Mockingjay book, is one page shorter than Catching Fire at 390 pages. One page for- shorter than Catching Fire? Yeah, the second book. So, But this one's called Catching Fire. This one's called Mockingjay. Oh, I looked up the wrong movie. That's why I couldn't find Julian Moore. That makes sense. Cool. <laughs> um, but we cut that, so people don't even know what you're talking about. She searched for Julianne Moore for a while. Um... <laughs> But anyway, so that's a testament to maybe this shouldn't be cut into uh-huh. two, and maybe this is more of a greedy move rather than a be faithful to the book move. Yeah. Um, and on July 10th, 2012, that's when they announced that they will split the movie in two. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman dies on February 2nd, 2014, but by then most of his scenes had been filmed. Tragically. Mm-hmm. That sucks. We don't yeah. like that. Um, and then, this is interesting and kind of cool. November 20th, 2014, Thailand protesters use the three-finger symbol against country's military government, and a bunch of showings of the movie are canceled. Whoa! And then 11-28, 2014-ish, around that date, protesters in Hong Kong use the symbol. And then, um, do you remember the Ferguson unrest? Yes. Okay, so uh, Darren Wilson, I uh, I think, was a police officer, and he shot an eighteen-year-old Michael Brown, who was the the officer was white, yep. and the and the Michael Brown was black on August 9th, sparking more than a week of violent protests and looting that led to a militarized police response, and so protesters in St. Louis wrote Hunger Games inspired graffiti on a local landmark which read if we burn you burn with us during their latest protest and then in on november i mean uh, september 11th 2015 in catalonia Mm -hmm. protesters used the symbol as well which we were in catalonia not during this time but jordan and i were at two years after that was it that yeah we were in barcelona in 2017 this one got married. Yeah, no, no, I know. It's just kind of like I kind of. Yeah, we were crazy. in Barcelona on our honeymoon, and there were a lot of silent protests going around. But um, that we saw a lot of signs saying that like public transportation is closed today mm-hmm. be- because of these protests. And we would like be walking around the city, just wandering around, and we would turn a corner. There would be like a sea of people silently marching. We don't know where they're going. And then basically, I think we get to a point where we we come near a Capitol building. That yeah. we didn't know was one because there was just a ton of people. And it was like, so it was eerie enough that we were like, 
we should not be go- following like we weren't trying to but we should not be following the crowd yeah. so like if we when we ran it was into all a peaceful crowd, protesting was, but there was that scary there was an air of scary I think to it because it was silent and because there were like public transportation was shut down like like government type stuff was kind of like shut down for the day in anticipation of it mm-hmm. that's a little scary especially coming from oregon yeah where we're that not used doesn't to really happen very much and it was i remember it being kind of funny where we were like we got to go back to our hotel room with wi-fi so we can like look figure up what's out going what's on because this is huge and then i remember talking when i worked at good bean one of the regulars was talking about it or something and i was like oh yeah i was there and he was like <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> and there was i uh, remember we turned that corner and there was like a couple hundred people and they were all silently pointing at a building and i think they're pointing towards like the cat you know like a capital government building, building or, something or something like that like and that. It, it was like that that was when i just was like all the movies I'd seen where people were quiet and a bomb goes off was just playing through my head. And I was like, we have to get off. And the I remember we now. were in Rome uh, and we were near the forum, but we weren't in the Roman forum, but we were in an area where it was like government buildings. Oh and yeah. I have never seen guns that big. Oh well, yeah. I have when I was, it in, was the police, right? When, yeah. When I was in New York city, it was shortly after the shootings in France happened and it, like it was a chance that this could happen to New York. Yeah. And I went to New York and in Times Square, there were police officers barricaded with like huge guns, which oddly in a way made me feel kind of safe. Uh-huh. Um, or it didn't make me feel more scared, I guess. Yeah. But uh, when we were in Rome, remember like those guys had those huge guns and there were protesters and they were not silent. And we were like, let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah. That one was. Well, and I think when we were there, it's like, we don't know the language. Yeah, so we don't th- know what they're protesting. And and it's also just like, like, like police here, you know, they're, well, I'm not necessarily going to say all. Yeah. But I'm just going to skip past it. Sure. Anyway, it was a little bit scarier because well, we were like, not in our home. That's why like, it was scary. I don't know if it was before or after, but we like had, you know, recently we're on this tour and this guy points out like, yeah, that's where Mussolini's office was. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, that's <laughs> didn't think I would ever lay my eyes on that building. Yeah. And it's like it's like where Peter and Paul got arrested like blocks away. It's, it's like there's so much like political things that have happened here. I don't want to be a part of one of these stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So it's Mocking all relevant Jay. to this movie because it it's really is. No, it really, really is. Um, I hope you enjoyed that snapshot into the Macaws 2017 honeymoon. Honeymoon. Um, so as the last movie had left us, uh, we found out that there was a resistance that was growing, an underground resistance. This movie, right away, we're seeing that Jennifer Lawrence is having like she's like in a weird place, and we find out it's District 13 which was believed to have been destroyed mm-hmm. years and years and ago. And it's underground. And it's underground. And all this is like, oh, that's really cool. Yeah. And, and so... And um, you find out that District 12 has been destroyed. Yeah. Find out that District 12 has been destroyed. And uh, so she, she goes to District 12 and like is walking around the rubble and stuff. Yeah, but that's just a tiny important thing is before that. So it's like... Oh, she good, because I don't remember. Okay, so. well, she, you know, she has PTSD, all the stuff... She's so concerned about PETA because he's at the Capitol and they, she has no idea what he, what his condition is. And then also with her is Finnick, who is the only other victor or like only oh, other yeah, participant yeah. with her. So like that's the only person she can kind of find solace in because even though people are telling her that like District 12 is gone, like gone, all this stuff, 
she's it's just so disorienting yeah so then she meets julianne moore who's like the president basically of this whole operation and philip seymour hoffman who had been organizing it in the capital like this resistance thing and um he's saying that she'll be the poster child for this like they need to create their own propaganda which i think is awesome that's a really interesting idea um and you know she's like she doesn't care about any of this stuff she only cares about getting PETA back Uh so she's very angry don't blame her and she like storms out she does not accept anything when the the, and the president's like man what are we gonna do if we don't get her and philip seymour hoffman's like don't worry she needs to see what happened to district 12 yeah and then she'll come back yeah so yeah so then they're she's taken they're taken to district 12 um and that scene's pretty crazy I think yeah. it's a little weird that like, okay, so this district's de- destroyed. Um, everyone's presumed dead, I guess. And yeah. then they're just going to come on a like ship to here. And like, I'm just, it's like the capital is not at all suspicious that people would still be around here. Yeah. It's a little weird because not only like, it's not just that, but it's like, they just leave her alone. It's a yeah, little weird. Yeah, it is. But it's easily overlooked. Yeah. Um, but it's so kind of... Yeah, oh, go no, ahead. I just think it's kind of crazy that you see, like, burned bodies. Yeah, yeah. It's... it's Yeah. Um, so, in this part of the movie, she... And maybe I'm just wrong about this, but she, like, she grabs her cat, which I didn't remember was her cat, and I was, like, kind of confused by the cat thing for a while. I didn't remember, but I just assumed. <laughs> I just, like, And whatever. then she sees a rose... And she, like, grabs the rose. But it's not a dead rose. Well, what I was going to say is, like, I don't remember the rose being significant in either of the previous two movies. So. Was it? No. However. Okay. Well, well, hey. Okay. Hey. Um, Snow gave her that rose. When? You didn't remember that? At the beginning of of the last movie. When he was in her home and he was like, you need to convince me that you and Peter love each other. And he oh, gives he her did, a rose. Yeah. Okay. So that so does... that rose is still there and it's not dead, which I don't know what the whole thing is with these roses because there's enough effects on it too that it's not like a real rose or something. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, is this all being tracked? Okay. I don't know. Because I, I was, didn't explain What that. I was going to say, and it kind of holds true in a way. I mean, I don't like a movie to hold my hand. And we've actually complimented this series for not holding like younger viewers' hands. But this to me, like the whole rose thing... And then later in the movie when roses are everywhere, um, well, I guess it is pretty obvious because in Hunger it's Games... It's always pinned on his chest. He he, And he's like cutting the roses. Come on, Mike. Yeah. It, open your eyes. It works. But I just it just felt like one of those things where you're like, oh, if I was a book reader, I'd get this, but I'm not. So I don't know what, what's going on. As a non-book reader, didn't get that. Or I got the rose thing. Yeah. So I probably should have just got it. Maybe I just, I just eh, didn't catch it. I mean, it. it's... That's okay, I think. But um, I was going to complain about that in the movie because I felt like there's... I guess I have to throw aside my biggest argument for it, but it just felt like there was a lot of stuff in this movie that was kind of like, okay, I haven't read the book, so I don't know what that means or like mm. what that conversation is in reference to because I didn't read the book, so why did you put it in the movie? Well, I guess as we go through it, tell me what you mean by those things. Well, I, I only really remember the rose, and you just disproved that, so I guess I'm kind of wrong, Jordan. Yeah, sorry so, my mom texts me. No, Tammy, no. Okay, so... <laughs> so she comes back, 
And then she goes to the president and is like, use me how you need to use me for this. I have seen my, I've seen my friends like burned bodies. Yeah. I want to help with this cause. So the idea is, is so the last movie, Lenny Kravitz is killed. So in this movie, she's like totally realizes like he is dead. Yes. And then that's when, Elizabeth Banks character comes back into play because she's going to design her outfit, which honestly, at this point to me, who the F cares what she's wearing? But I understand at the same time, it's all propaganda. So it yeah. does matter what she's wearing. But then that leads my mind to go another direction where these people have been living underground. Where do they piece this outfit together? Yeah. A, a lot of stuff that's not worth asking. But I couldn't, my mind can't help but kind yeah. of go there. Because like, it, it everyone else is wearing like communist, like by communist, I mean everyone else looks the same. Everyone else yeah. is on the same level. But this this movie does, I think it does feel a little bit, and I don't know how the book is, but it does feel like a little less thought out than the other movies. And I think, I wonder if part of it, visually, it is so not exciting. And, and it's just, they are the whole movie takes place underground in concrete and the people are basically wearing concrete yeah and it's like i don't i just think it's I, this is so nitpicky what i'm about to say uh -huh. but elizabeth Banks' character doesn't have her wigs and her outfits anymore yeah okay that's fine and she also like obviously you can see she's not really wearing makeup uh -huh. and then they just whip all this makeup up for katniss <laughs> yeah. and she looks great and you're yeah. not telling me that elizabeth banks vain character isn't gonna figure out how to do that well, to herself. So speaking about Elizabeth Banks' character, I think there was a total missed opportunity, and they, they only, like, slightly do it. I just wish they had, like, really committed to where maybe, like, they come into her office and they're like, hey, you're here, and she just, like, doesn't have, like, the, the dumb accent. She doesn't have all that stuff, and she's just, like, beaten down. Oh, yeah. Because Instead it, of still trying to hold it together. It's still trying to hold it together, and it's, like... I just wish I wish they played on that she had been acting this whole time. Like her character had been acting. So when you see her in the cell, she's like, go away. I don't want to speak with you. And she's like very upset, or which she is upset, but she's still going, ah, oh, I don't want to. It was mostly the voice. It's like, oh, yeah. it's clearly an affectation. It'd be yeah. cool. And I think it would show a lot about her character if this had all been an act and now she doesn't care about the appearance. And then maybe even working with Katniss, like, she kind of starts doing those annoying things again. Yeah, that, I know? like that. That's interesting. I think that's kind of a missed opportunity yeah. to me. Um, honestly, with her character at this point, uh, she can be done. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't say that. I'm not saying that she needs to be killed off, but I, I just don't really care anymore about yeah. her character. Yeah. Um, I think I think she's served her purpose. Mm -hmm. um, okay, yeah, so she does the propaganda video. And, and a thing about the propaganda that I really like, though, yeah. is that Dustin Hoffman, I like... Dustin Hoffman in uh, this movie. <laughs> no, Philip Seymour Hoffman. I like that his character was, like, master of the games, yes. and he's, like, this chess master, and then he just pivots right into... He's like, okay, now I'm master of the propaganda and stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. very true to his character to yeah. just be like, I like this now. He's all strategy. Yeah, which he's been all strategy the whole time because yes. he was a double agent. That's his but strength. Anyway, yeah. keep, keep going with Love what you're that. saying. Um, yeah, so the video gets done, and the whole third, I don't remember exactly what point this happens, but her and Gail, yeah, people, Gail's still in this movie. Yeah. Um, he has a little bit more to do. I still don't really care. Either I, way. I liked him in the other movies. I thought he made a lot of sense. We talked about that. No, no, we did. And I, you can't take that when back. When I say I don't care, that doesn't mean I could do without. When yeah. I say I don't care at this moment, yeah. I don't care. Okay, but they're, 
eating in the mess hall and uh, PETA comes on screen and it's a shock because it's like, oh my gosh, PETA's alive. Yeah. And he's pretty much says like, you guys need to stop doing this. This is irrational. Think about all the people who are going to die because of your guys' pride. Yada, mm-hmm. yada, yada. And basically the, what their plan is, is with the propaganda is whenever those broadcasts happen, they will figure out a way to put it over that because that's when everyone's watching, like in every district. Oh yeah, sure. Um, so they eventually get to the point where they're going to start doing like field missions mm-hmm. to which Katniss at first was not invited, but she is forcing herself onto because obviously it makes sense. She yeah. should be out there for the propaganda. Um, so that's when we go to another district that I don't remember which one it is. And she sees all of the people in the hospital. Um, and she, you know, is the symbol of hope and peace to which like the, obviously the capital knows that, that she is. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, we're going to kill the people who have hope in her. We're going to kill the people in the hospital. Interesting. Yeah. I think that's interesting. What happens after that? Well, okay, so all of that happens. One thing to know about this movie is I don't feel like there's any sense of urgency, whereas no. the other two movies are like, ooh, 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 ooh. They're just like pushing it. And this movie's just, I mean, it really just feels like they are trying to drag this out. And it, it's just, because by then, by the time the hospital was bombed, I was like, completely checked out of this movie yeah because i was bored yeah i was so bored because they're she's just kind of like wandering around halls and they're like we gotta take care of this government stuff it's really bad and i'm like yeah i saw two other movies that describe that and i know you care about PETA. maybe just have like one teleconference with PETA, and and maybe the hospital bombing happens in act one and you know, and then later there's well, I think like you can. St- I think it's important to do all of the PETA broadcast because throughout it you see him get worse and worse and worse, and I think mm-hmm. that's really important. But you don't need to wait twenty minutes in between each one <laughs> yeah. to do it because like the movie was all marked with those broadcasts. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's just it, it's just so it get it does get boring because it's all it's all like just set up for the next movie, and the the issue is is we're seeing all of the work being done for the next movie i think that the (laughs) movie so like the propaganda stuff super important totally also what's super important is seeing the other districts fighting back like when that those one the the people went to the the dam dam. yeah so important so good cut that whole freaking song that she does i hate it in movies when they insert uh songs like that into movies it makes me feel so uncomfortable it's well, you know what happens? It, whoa, <laughs> I just realized. Um, I think a lot of what happens is you're you're nervous as someone who's watching the movie that Jen. This I'll speak for myself. The whole time I'm like, can she sing? Is she lip singing? That's why I'm so and stuff, uncomfortable. And it's like this is weird. If you know, if if I don't know Taylor Swift, that's like the first pop singer now that I could think of was in the role. I wouldn't think twice about it. Cause I'm like, I know she can sing. I, I, I expect but, her to sing, <laughs> but there is something to that where it kind of rips you out of the moment. Cause you're like, okay, okay. Um, is she going to, well, not uh, only that, it's okay. like that the, the guy's like sing. Yeah. Which and it's like, was like, Oh, come what on. Are you Who's asking about? her to sing? <laughs> yeah. Who has a time? Who has time to sing right now? A nice touch though, that I will compliment is that while she's singing the mocking yes. Jays, are like in the same key because they're yeah you know repeating it kind of but they're never like just repeating what she's singing so it's this kind of ethereal 
Um, musically, it's kind of it's kind of cool. Yeah, and I think the song is actually pretty decent. And I'm, yeah, it's not. I'm not really talking about the song itself. Yeah. Um, because it, in a way that is just another part of the prop because they literally use it for propaganda. Yeah. At a point. Yeah. Propaganda like so, songs have been propaganda for us since music, pretty much, because mm-hmm. a lot of it's a commentary on what's going on. Um, but yeah, it's just I don't I don't like that i just don't like it so much i don't like it it makes me so uncomfortable and i i didn't watch a movie to watch jennifer lawrence sing yeah and she's like and that all that being said i think she does really well in this movie she is like really good at freaking out but i don't think that's like i don't think people are gonna look back on this movie and it's like oh yeah that's when jennifer lawrence just cries all the time no she's she's good she's great but the the whole thing about this movie, and to keep it in our overarching narrative of these young adult novels, is I keep just thinking about Harry Potter and the way they split up those last two. So this movie is just like, if you really point it out, as we're doing right now, it's, it is a lot of stuff, but it's not that much stuff. It's not anything more than the other two movies it's like half of one of those movies you mean of what's getting done just extended really really long but i think about deathly hollows one and i just think about how there's so much that happens in that movie and even though it it does like take its time every time it does that it feels like a breath and it feels like there there's a build and there's character moments the biggest book in the series yeah so yeah you want to split the move that up into two movies i'm fine with it and i do think even though again part two is a little lacking for me i think if you did combine it and make it one big long movie it'd be way too long or it would just be like you'd be really unsatisfied because they'd have to like just cut so much they wouldn't be able to do everyone justice which we've been going through so many different character stories Mm -hmm. and arcs throughout the whole thing and a lot of them are like finished in this last movie yeah so it would just it'd be so hard to give all those people the screen time it's like yeah that's why endgame had to be three hours right they had to give all those people their like final development yeah but yeah Yeah. okay so all of that happens i want to point out that Peta at one point kind of looks like steve rogers from captain america the first avenger with the big head and tiny body okay yeah which is always kind of funny to me Um, i still think i I buy it i'm fine with it um, the Capitol attacks District 13, and... There's a weird thing that I had about that. So, they att- so they're so they bombing District 13, and the people have to go lower underground to, like, a bunker. Uh-huh. And it's pretty bad. And, like, it looks like the president, Philip Seymour, like, they're kind of in a panic room. And this whole time, I'm like, is this... Can this please be the end of the movie? I'm so bored at this point. It, well, yeah, it's... it's uh, so, yeah, so they're in their, like, control room... All that stuff, and it's a pretty small room. Maybe they shot it at a different angle than other times. I don't know because once this is all over, like the bombing and everything, and then they're back to trying back to their plan. It's like, can you stop doing that? Okay, um, we are back <laughs> in. It looks like they have all returned back to their normal living quarters. To which I was just like, I thought this stuff got bombed because when she climbed out, everything was like bombed. But then at another oh, part of the movie, they're like back in certain rooms that we had already seen. And I'm just oh, like, I didn't notice that. So it just kind of ripped me out of the moment because it looked like people are now living in the bunker, but they're uh-huh. still able to operate in all the other rooms. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. How do they still have a hospital? Huh? I don't, I don't, unless they have an extra hospital deeper underground. 
or maybe that one was better protected. See, this is what the movie suffers from is it's like, and I know all these things are, I'm saying are super nitpicky, but the, in a way, if I'm having these many nitpicky thoughts, it might've missed a mark on a lot of stuff. Yeah. Cause I shouldn't be thinking there's about stuff it We can much. like nitpick about the other two movies, but we didn't bother. Cause it's like, whatever. I don't, I don't care. I buy it. Yeah. It was good. And this movie, I don't really buy that much. No. So yeah. So they're now at a point where, okay. So she, she comes out and they're like, we got to shoot a video right now with all, and all this demolished stuff to say like, we're alive and we're fine. And so am I all mm. this stuff. And she can't do it because there's the roses everywhere. And she's like panicking and realizing that Peta's going to die now. Yeah. Um, very well acted. Yeah. Really. I mean, I, she's fantastic. No, she movie. is. And I think it's really interesting in that she can't do the video. So they get Finnick to do it. Super interesting. All that stuff. Oh, yeah. And then um, that's when Woody Harrelson tells her that uh, they are going to go get Peta. There's six people that are going on a covert operation. Operation, oh yeah, and it's like Gail is going too. And so, this, I was like, no. What that Gail went? No, I'm like, oh. that's going to be another twenty minutes probably. Oh yeah, they dragged that thing out so long because <laughs> it gets to the. So they're in there. It's everything seems to be going <laughs> fine, and then it's like, uh, they're almost breached they like shut down power and the power's almost back on in the capital which means their mission would be compromised so katniss starts talking to president snow and it's just a very long very slow conversation that keeps cutting back to them going through empty rooms that mean nothing to us mm -hmm. and then basically you find out that he knows they're there and then i especially like when she panics and realizes that they're gail and peter are gonna die now yeah. i bet that part is so good in the book yeah. Oh, yeah. Not knowing what's what happened, um, because there's another movie. I know what happens. Um, I actually thought that maybe Gail would die, mm -hmm. but anyway, all of the people are rescued, and um, lose my train of thought. I'm trying not to. So everyone's rescued, which is interesting because it's like, why did Snow let them get away? Which I'm sure will be answered within Act One of the next movie. <laughs> um, so do you see the? the girl who strips in the last movie. Yeah, I hate yeah. that I'm describing her that way. And then you see the, the redhead girl who Finnick is in love with. And then we finally see PETA. And this and, should be end of act two. <laughs> oh uh, yeah. And at this moment right here should have been the end of the movie. And I, I remembered that it was unfortunately. Well, but I mean, if, if this was adapted better, this should have been end of act two and the next movie's act three. No, yeah, 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 you're right. Um, I'm assuming. I haven't seen it, so maybe I'll change my opinion on that next week, but... Uh, I don't know. So she sees Peta, and kind of at this point in the story, it's like, okay, she loves him, whatever. I think we all kind of knew that was going to happen. Yeah. This is coming from someone who doesn't know what happens in the next yeah. half of this book. Um, and he tries killing her, and then you find that's when the move... If they were going to do... A, Two parts. That's when they should have ended the movie was him trying to kill her. Mm -hmm. Credits roll. I don't. I wouldn't. I would have liked that even less. I don't want a cliffhanger because it's like it's like you already split it into. Don't make me. I have guess a cliffhanger. it's just like she wakes up and it's like, oh man, is there another fifteen minutes? Well, yeah. Um. So she wakes up. But mind you, I've been checked out for two hours at this point. Yeah. Um. Wakes up and they tell her like he's been conditioned to to. Uh, hurt you because he's been conditioned that you hurt people and like you you he fears you yeah super interesting stuff to me um and then blah 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 it ends with 
her seeing Peta struggling. Like, like, cause he's so like in anger. Mm-hmm. I like the last shot. It's whatever. Okay. I, I think this is a bad, I would, I will say, I think this is a bad movie. I, w- I mean, like in talking about it, it's just like, so, so classic setup. Yeah. All of it. Because. And, and it's, it's like these movies have been told in like a classic, like three act story structure. Like you can latch on to stuff. You kind of know the ebbs and flows. And I'm not saying every movie needs to do this. Look at a movie like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It like meanders the whole movie. It's a masterpiece. It's perfect. But you can't just be like, okay, now we're changing the formula halfway through the series because this movie is just like, like I didn't know when the axe ended. My brain wasn't like, oh, that's the climax or whatever. It was just like, oh, we're just slowly walking up this hill and then it, then it, the credits roll and I'm like, and I think what? a huge part of it is like of to, to go with your argument is like, okay, whose character develops in this movie? Cause if you're going to make a whole movie set, like that's yeah. half of a movie, like you need to show development. And I just like, <laughs> yeah. don't really see anything kind of development. The only thing that you can maybe hold on to is Katniss is like now the poster person of this resistance. Yeah. People, she was the poster person from this, this resistance movie one based <laughs> right. on her character being like altruistic and selfless. Yeah. So it's like, it was not hard to convince her to do any of these things. Yeah. So you can't tell me that's it. No. And it, it's just like, you can't tell me that the movie, like the whole big thing is getting PETA back. Like that's the big thing. I don't know. There's just so, so little is done. Yeah. By the end of it. I think it's very boring. And I, I was like kind of jazzed and, and like, Oh, I'll, I'll be, I'll have to be like, I'll probably not like that. It's split into two, but I'll still enjoy both movies is what I thought. And I, I did not enjoy this movie. And I was I liked the other two. They were fun and pretty good. But this the was, second movie was the be- is the best one so far. Yeah. But th- this was like, oh, I don't even like like if I had seen this one the if we weren't doing a podcast, I would have no interest in watching the second movie. Yeah. I'd be like, Yeah, I don't I really don't care. I'll yeah. just like look it up on IMDb, the plot synopsis. So <sighs> That is Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1. You know what I've I've wanted to do on one of these episodes, but I don't know how it would work, is like we're just talking, and then it just cuts off midway, and then the next podcast starts right As where we're at. Thing. Because it's like a two-parter. <laughs> so um, maybe, well, maybe let's do that. Um, so do you have anything else to say in them about the movie? Uh, No. Okay, so knock, knock. Who's there? 